In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. After the purification had been completed in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, and also to make the offering as stated in the law. Luke 2, verses 22 to 24. It's 40 days after the birth of Jesus, and the new parents are obeying the Mosaic law. The feast we celebrated yesterday is the presentation, also known as Candlemas, because an old reading for this festival contains the line, I will search Jerusalem with candles, Zephaniah 1.12. Candlemas commemorates the purification of Mary and the presentation of Christ in the temple. It also portrays the new parents as devout Jews. After Mary's 40 days of seclusion, she and Joseph took Jesus to Jerusalem because every firstborn child was to be de- dedicated to the Lord. Simeon, was at the temple and in his now famous words he said or famous in the nunc dimittis he broke mary's heart by foreshadowing her son's crucifixion our obedient mary didn't have an easy time of it as a mother remember that when you think you're the only mum who suffers heartache and pain over her child There was a candlelit procession last night. Our church loves these. At the end of the service, we lit our candles from the Paschal candle and gathered around the baptismal font where we looked back at the crib, were blessed with holy water and looked forward to the cross and Christ's passion. This day also has an interesting secular connection. In England, there is a belief that the remainder of winter should be the opposite of whatever the weather was like on Candlemas Day, February the 2nd. An old English song goes, If Candlemas be fair and bright, come winter, have another flight. If Candlemas brings clouds and rain, go winter and come not again. Thus, if the sun casts a shadow on Candlemas Day, more winter was on the way. And if there was no shadow, winter was thought to be ending soon. Sound familiar? Yesterday was Groundhog Day, and I don't know about Puxatawney Phil, but I decidedly saw my shadow. It was glorious as it is today. And we've got snowdrops and crocuses and daffodils scattered among the gravestones and along the pathways of our roads. The Christmas season has drawn to a close, and maybe winter is winding up. But whenever we light a candle in our homes, let's remember that no matter the weather, Christ is the light. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and happy new month. January always seems to stretch out, but once February hits, as I tell my lovely blue-eyed cowboy, it'll be Easter before we know it. 
My guest this week is Rebecca Kokenderfer, who homeschooled her six children all the way to Stanford. Stay tuned to find out more. My book excerpt will make a showing later, and I'll also be telling you about some remodeling that's going on in the flat upstairs and mention my daughter's wake-up call in her dealings with Amazon. So sit down and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and a nibble on something absolutely delicious while we get started into this terrific, sunny, bright hour. And as I said, I have my guest on the line really early for her, uh, Rebecca Kokenderfer, mother of six, senior editor for homeschool.com, the number one homeschooling site on the internet, according to Yahoo, Google and Forbes magazine, with over two million hits a year. Rebecca has written two books about her favorite topic, homeschooling, and she loves to talk and promote this inspiring lifestyle that helps children aspire to and live out their dreams. We're going to be talking about how she managed to maintain an identity while running successful homeschool, writing books and mentoring parents with questions like, what do I tell the in-laws? How can I convince my husband this will work? Or what about ADD? Welcome, Rebecca. Good morning. So happy to be here. Well, good. Thanks so much for joining me. (laughs) Really, really early for you, I believe. (laughs) All right. I'm on California time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I seem to remember somewhere you said, oh, that'll just me- mean an early morning for me. So I thought, well, good, good. Do you usually get up this early? No, I'm not a morning person at all. I, I'm the oh. type of thing I usually think, you know, I should just stay up all night. I'd probably have a better shot at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did that one when I first moved to England, I have a reading group in America and we were reading Gone with the Wind and I wanted to be up for the discussion because that book's huge and, I, you know, I wanted to see what everybody else thought. And so I did. Um, it was like two o'clock in the morning. The meeting started my time. So I just stayed up because I thought if I go to bed, then I'll wake up and go, oh, I don't really want to get up. So I just stayed up and, you know, did it that way. So I fully understand. <laughs> All right, um, Rebecca. Well, how did you convince your husband that homeschooling will work? Uh, It was a little easier for me because I have a background in teaching. I have a master's in education. So I think it was easier for him to trust me and for us to give it a try because of that teaching background. But interestingly, Mm -hmm. I have not found that having teacher training to be an advantage in homeschooling. Uh, Most of what you learn in education school is about classroom management. And when you're homeschooling, your management is not so much about unruly children or having 30 children in a classroom, but about having um, three, four, or five children who are different grades. So I had to unlearn what I had learned in teacher training and kind of relearn it as a parent and as a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. And um, you did. Now you had six children that you homeschooled, so you're not only a veteran. You probably started when there weren't an awful lot of people out there doing it. Yes, actually, I have three children, and in the beginning, uh, homeschooling was very much grassroots. Uh, it wasn't back in the, you know, the dawn of time, like the grandparents of homeschooling, um, where they had a hard time and people looked down on them. Uh, when I had started it even 20 years ago, it was still, at least in California, considered to be the norm. I lived on a four-house cul-de-sac, and every house sent their child 
to a different type of school. So we had uh, one house going to a public school, one going to a Christian school, one going to a Catholic school, and us doing the homeschooling. So it was very much the norm to be different. Oh, well, that, that's good. That's good. I like that because I, I hear all kinds of stories where people say, oh, I was the only one people were saying, what are you doing? Well, like me, I mean, nobody really in England homeschools that much. And um, my parents just thought, oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. so were your in-laws all right with it as well? No, they were not. They really oh. were afraid they were going to wreck the children. And the reason oh. for that is because they love their grandchildren and they mm-hmm. had sent children to school to a very good, you know, strict Catholic schools, and it worked so well for their children. So they mm-hmm. didn't want to mess it up. But mm-hmm. after we doing it um, for so many years, and they saw that it was working and that the kids were not social misfits, then they mm-hmm. became our biggest fans. And I would mm-hmm. catch her telling her friends, oh, they homeschool and it's working so well for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my mother-in-law sort of went, oh, okay, but, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. (laughs) And then all of a sudden... She works. She works at a little like um, a Christmas a Christmas store, and she was in charge of the cards and sending out graduations and birth announcements and weddings and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, she started to notice that there were quite a few homeschoolers that came in that she had never really noticed before. And um, I thought I thought that was extraordinary. Well, it was it was in the top of her head, I suppose. She she suddenly thought was thinking about homeschooling, and now she's noticing that there are quite a few people out there, and they they were okay. <laughs> I think it can be scary doing something that's different than what everybody else does, at least what we yeah. see everybody else is doing, kind of going countercultural. I think mm-hmm. that's why in the beginning so many homeschoolers read voraciously. You know, we read every book out there about homeschooling, mm-hmm. every article about it, because it makes us feel um, comfortable about it, so just mm-hmm. a little less scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, as a couple, you really should be on the same page because it would be absolutely impossible, I think, to homeschool if one of you was vehemently against it. And, of course, I don't think either one of us would advise that situation. But um, how how would you suggest gently encouraging maybe one or the other spouse um, and, and, you know, sort of asking them, you know, maybe we could give it a try or, you know, let's see if this will work because, I, you know, I, I believe that I can make this work. How do you feel about that? Yes, I used to um, read in bed, so I would read books like Plumbing a Sound by John Taylor Gatto, and I'd say, mm-hmm. oh, Bill, you've got to hear this, and I would read mm-hmm. a passage aloud, and so we would discuss it, but even from the beginning, the idea is that we were not going to homeschool for life. We didn't know we were going to be doing it for 20 years. We just mm-hmm. thought, give it a try for one year. Let's see how it goes, and then in our family, too, as the children uh, got older, we've always given them the choice. So uh, we believe it was just very a personal choice, and they um, they happened to choose homeschooling. When my um, son was going into seventh grade, we said to him, you know, we chose homeschooling for you when you were younger, but now you're older. And so we gave him a tour of all the different educational opportunities in our area. We took him to a Montessori school, a Catholic school, and heaven forbid, even a public school. But then he ended up choosing homeschooling. And after that, it just he homeschooled in a different way. He got behind his choice. It was like it was his power, and so Mm -hmm. we didn't have to be on his back after that to do his studies because he had made the choice to do it. So at least in Mm -hmm. our family, that's the way that we've always approached it. We've just taken it one year at a time, and we've always made it where it was a a choice for the children. Mm. 
Yes, John Taylor Gatto, funnily enough, um, I, I've read quite a lot recently about him. I mean, he said, you know, that the, the quickest way to um, kill the love of learning in a child is to put them into a, a school classroom. Um, and if you, if you sort of surround your child with love and encouragement, they will naturally, you know, want to learn these re- the reading, the writing, the arithmetic that will set them up, you know, good foundation for other research and other things that they want to do. But if you put the stress and this pressure on them that schools do, then they just seem to clam up. Well, I noticed it with my three children. Um, two have been homeschooling pretty much all the way, but I have a daughter who is a ballerina. So she has an opportunity to go to a ballerina boarding school. And mm. so she was, uh, yes, yeah, so she ended up um, going to school in a classroom setting. And I can really t- tell the difference between the way the three of them think. Um, the mm. two that were they're very used to taking charge of their education, taking responsibility for it, initiating it, doing their own studies. I never have to be on their backs um, for their studies. But my daughter, the one, and she was a very good student, and she's no dummy at all. Rebecca, I, we're, we're going on a little break, but I will, ca- I will pick up the thread in just a moment, okay? Yeah. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Dougienet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Rebecca. So you're saying that your daughter thinks about her education a little bit differently to the way her two siblings do? Yes, I can tell. For example, the the two that were homeschooled, they take an inside-out approach to their education where they're taking charge of it and they're responsible for it. But my daughter, who's been in the classroom, she's always waiting for somebody else to tell her what to do and what learn. Yes. And I also found, too, that the two who were homeschooled, their learning is much deeper and richer. And my daughter, who you know, graduated with a 3.8 in a very difficult school, um, I noticed that her learning is shallower. In other words, she mm-hmm. played the game and she got the good grades, but it didn't mean that much to her. And she is not retaining it as well. And she doesn't seem to have as rich of a vocabulary. So I just, I'm noticing the difference between now that we've done it, where, you know, the ones who are homeschooled and the ones who are classroom learned. Mm. Well, my, funnily enough, my youngest daughter is my dancer. She's my ballerina. And so she came to England with us um, and is completing her final year at a performing arts school here in England. And she is finding it so difficult because she goes to school from 8.30 till 5 every single day, five days a week. She said, Mom, it's just like a job. And, you know, all the kids around her, the, the other girls and boys around her, have been used to that. So they, they, they don't think there's anything unusual about that. She finds it very, very difficult and she also is one of those that she looks ahead and she talks to the teachers and she you know asks them questions and she questions them and she asks she analyzes things and they're all going just do it just do what you're told and she's going well, well no i think if i did it this way it would be a little bit better if i did it like you know because she's 20 you know so it's a further education and um it's that's really interesting what you said what you've just said and you know she's in this environment where they're all you know public school educated and she wasn't and yeah you know she yeah she's having a completely different experience Another difference I've noticed is that when my son went out to go to college and he was on his college interviews, he was very comfortable speaking with the adults and mm-hmm. with the people who were interviewing him. And I realized it's because with homeschooling, he's used to having adults as equals and as mentors, whereas um, the children who were in school, they were not comfortable with the adults. They were always being judged by the adults or graded by the adults. So mm-hmm. my son would to have just a great discussion with them and they were so impressed with him but I, I think it's because of the homeschooling again and because he wasn't in a classroom you know where the, you had just one teacher one mentor um okay so i'm going i want to talk a little bit about your book your the book that you wrote homeschooling and loving it and i know you co-authored homeschooling for success how parents can create a superior education for that for their child but i want to talk about your um, homeschooling and loving it i went through um the index and picked up you know a few a few pointers from there um but as a homeschooling a new homeschooling parent say i'm picking this book up for the first time because i'm really interested in homeschooling what would be a couple of things that might stop me, the homeschooler, the new homeschooler, dead in my tracks that you have covered in your book? Well, the biggest cause of burnout in homeschooling is following a school-at-home approach. In other words, Mm -hmm. be as structured and as organized as you need to feel comfortable. But Mm -hmm. um, the homeschoolers who tend to quit homeschooling are the ones who are trying to be very, very rigid uh, in their mm-hmm. homeschooling, and they burn out very quickly. Mm-hmm. So our advice and the advice of our 2 million readers on homeschool.com is mm-hmm. to kind of 
build your curriculum, be flexible, and base it around your children's interests. Because, of course, mm-hmm. that's, that's the best advantage of homeschooling, is that mm-hmm. it can be really customized and personalized to fit your child's needs and where they are in each subject and what their interests are. And we always learn better and we retain more when we're learning something because we're fascinated by it and because we want the information. Mm-hmm. And and I find that there are a lot of parents who say, oh, my child does not want to be taught by me. They wouldn't learn anything. They wouldn't listen to me. What's your? What do you say to them? Yes, I found that to be true as well when my children got to be older and in high school. We have a very good relationship, but they, they wanted to start growing and have mentors outside. So we always found other trusted adults. Sometimes we uh, traded where I speak Japanese, so I would teach their children Japanese, and mm-hmm. they would come mm-hmm. to higher math with my children. Or one time we traded cooking where I helped her child with algebra, and she came in and did cooking for me. Or we have um, tutors that come in, and plus our children always take a bunch of classes too. Um, the number one advice from home, our homeschool.com product testers is to have your high school homeschooler take junior college classes at mm-hmm. their high school because that way they end up graduating with their high school diploma and their AA degree at the same time. And then you have mm-hmm. outside teachers there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you did? Well, we did a lot of it. So, and plus, usually by the time they've been homeschooling for that long, they really teach themselves. You know, they use the books, they take the DVD classes. Our experience has been that they're very good at initiating it and teaching themselves. They really didn't need me for that much. Mm-hmm. Just to bounce ideas off, I found. <laughs> What's, what is that? Yeah. I said just to bounce ideas off. Yes, they used and to, to bounce their off. ideas off me, yeah. Yes, and giving them success principles and helping them. Yes, pay attention to what it is that you love. What is it mm-hmm. that you're excited about? Because that's probably what you're going to be the best at, and that's what you're going to enjoy doing the most. So that type of general parenting advice. But I found that they did not need me to help them with their geometry because they had a geometry textbook or a geometry program that they were working off of. And if we did need help that I didn't know, we could always find somebody very easily who could answer that question, who could help them out. So that's one of the biggest fears when people start homeschooling. It's like, oh, how am I going to teach them Algebra 2? But it's amazing that it just tends to work itself out, and it's much mm-hmm. easier than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got, I've got a high school student, and I want to enroll them in my local junior college. How do I do that? Are, are they going to be looking for SATs or tax tests, or what, what, what are they going to be expecting from me? It depends my on child. Yes, well, they, they have an entrance exam, but they have special programs for high schoolers, and this is one of the best kept secrets, oh. the advantages of homeschooling, is mm-hmm. that you can use those fabulous labs and you can go part-time at the junior college. Start early because institutionalized learning is you know, much slower than homeschooling, so you go in the spring and you speak with a person at admissions and you say, my high school student would like to take some classes here. And they usually have a list of classes that you're not allowed to take. Uh, so, for example, sometimes it's the sports classes um, are not uh, open for homeschoolers because of the age difference and the size difference. Um, or sometimes if they're impacted, they will keep certain classes only for the people who are enrolled first full-time who are on campus. But for the most point, you'll get a list of classes that your high schooler can take. Some of them are online classes. Some of them are on the campus, but it's a fabulous resource. 
Yeah. Well, I I didn't have really much of a problem with mine. My my both my boys were 15 when they started at the community college and you're right, they did they had to take a test, which was that entrance exam for that particular college they took. And um you know the reading, the writing and the math. And if they didn't pass for example the math portion, they were still able to take anything that was reading or writing related and i think they could take their computer science they could take weightlifting and uh, you know one of those um electives um but they had to pass the math in order to be able to get into maybe a biology or um some kind of a science based class it could be a huge confidence builder for the homeschooler because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. know that oh boy i can do well in a classroom environment i've chosen homeschooling mm-hmm. because it's so darn fast and it's so flexible, but I know that I can do well anytime I want in a in a college environment, even. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. it's much easier for going into college too, because they see, oh, you know, you you played ball, you've done well in a classroom environment, and so it's less scary for the college admissions to admit the child as well. Um, what about success without? tests um we didn't do tests at home but what what about a homeschooler who really feels as though wow you know everybody around me takes tests and how do i know that i really really know my stuff how do the parents worried that oh how do i know if i'm teaching enough my child's at the right grade level how do you how do you judge whether your child is is doing well you know, I'm not a big fan of standardized testing. I haven't found them to be that helpful. I've, in my experience, they've been more damaging to the child than they've been helpful. Um, but uh, a teacher has to give the test because they've got 30 kids in a classroom and they don't know what the child knows. But when you're homeschooling just your, old, your own children, you know if they're getting the multiplication tables or not. Your child knows if they're getting the multiplication tables or not or if they need more time. So, I mean, the only time when standardized testing, I think, is really comes into play is when you're getting into college because everybody takes the SAT, and I think that's fair. It's an equalizer. Whether you're coming from an international baccalaureate program or a Catholic school or a public school or a charter school or a home school, everyone is taking these same entrance exams to go into the university. And so that's when I think you really need to help your child get good at test taking. So unless it's a comfort for you, um, tests are pretty random. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much body, such a large body of knowledge. How do you know really what has to be taught in the fifth grade? It's a bit random. You know, mm-hmm. what maybe your child wants to learn about volcanoes in the third grade. Maybe they're not interested in volcanoes until the seventh grade. Who says it has to be in the fifth grade when it's going to be being tested? So mm-hmm. I would encourage us to keep an open mind about the testing. Use it if it's helpful for you or if your state requires it. But um, to be protect your child and make sure it's not being damaging for them in the younger years. Well, I think once they've gone to junior college well at least i'm speaking from texas and they've got their aa they don't need the sat to get into a four-year college so my children well actually i I take that back my older son wanted to take the test he just loved taking tests so he did take his sat but he didn't need to that's right it's the same in california as well by that time you've proved yourself you because the sat is supposed to determine how well you're going to do in college well if you've already been in college you already have a report it proves that you don't need to take a test for it 
That's right. And it, it knocks off two years of those really high four-year college fees. So oh, yeah. that was a real plus. Yeah, yeah, and it really in, was. In California, the universities of California, like Berkeley and UCLA, you know, those fabulous world-class institutions, and it's mm. easier to into those as a transfer student coming from a junior college than it is just as an entering freshman taking the SAT. That's right. Well, we're going on another break, uh, Rebecca. I'll be right back in about 90 seconds, so stay with us. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on Toginet. It's CWAM, Christian work-at-home moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Ennett with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms with Jill Hart and Diana Enna. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. You have an expression called, well, it's not called, it's an expression, time clutter. Can you explain how you define time clutter? Well, there's physical clutter, of course, which we understand, which is having a lot of things around the house. And people mm-hmm. react differently to physical clutter. You know, like, for example, me, I don't like physical clutter. I find it kind of drains me. So I tend to have things a little spartan. But mm-hmm. there's also time clutter where it's a busyness for busyness sake and where it isn't necessarily um, focused. 
And so you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. I think that's a, probably a good way of explaining time clutter. And so um, one of the ways you try to reduce that clutter is you take a look at your schedule and you eliminate the things that aren't bringing you a lot of joy or aren't um, really necessary. And that kind of, kind of gives you a little more white space in your life. That's the idea of looking for time clutter. All right. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm just reading something about your bio or somebody else's bio that that um, that I got, and um, I'm just thinking, okay, um, maybe you could tell us something about um, yourself and homeschool.com. I know that's your website, right? And I would like to know much more about homeschool.com. I've gone to the website and had a look at it, and I I think you can tell um, my listeners um, how to use it and and what kind of resource it is. So, Yes, I think homeschool.com is kind of an example of do what you love and the money will follow. In other words, that, um, I read that book 16 years ago, and it was right when the Internet was first starting out. In the beginning, I had to explain to people what the Internet was. But I, I know that on your show, too, a lot of times you're talking about homeschooling moms and homeschooling dads who work. And so I've always um, worked part-time, and I found it to be a really good balance. Because um, I was I was happy to get a break from the kids. They were happy to get a break from me. So either I would work in a home office, or when the kids were really um, young, we had we started later. My husband and I, so we had three kids, five and under, and so it was a wild mm-hmm. ride. While so mm-hmm. I rent I rented the room above my neighbor's garage. But um, it's really it's really been a, a blessing, and I feel like I've been able to be a good role model for the children as well because they'll, they've they been involved in my work. They see me setting goals. They see me failing and learning from it. Um, they see me having the dream of writing a book. And, you know, with my first book, Homeschooling for Success, I had 12 weeks to write um, 12 chapters. And oh, so wow. each I know, it was really, it was kind of scary in the beginning when you set a goal for yourself, but mm-hmm. at the end of chapter i would celebrate with the kids you know we'd go to the aquarium or we'd go out to dinner or we just pop some um, sparkling cider or something like that but i found it to be really a a nice fit Mm -hmm. a nice with a homeschooling as well yeah yeah um so tell us a little bit when did you write homeschooling for success you were right in the middle of obviously homeschooling your your children did somebody approach you and suggest you do this was this a project that you came up with no, it was, um, you know, that's the funny thing is I have this little, what I call my before, before I die list. It's a mm-hmm. bucket list. Mm-hmm. And on it, I had confessed to my best friend that I really wanted to write a book. And I'd kind of forgotten it. And then Time Warner came to us and said, we'd like homeschool.com to write our homeschooling book. And in the beginning, I thought, oh, I don't know. That's a lot of time. I, you know, I don't know how good we'll be at it. I'll have to take time off from work. And fortunately, my same friend has said, Beck, it's on your list. Writing a book is your bucket list. You got to do this. So I think it was so nice to have those dream keepers for us. But mm-hmm. then it ended. Um, so my um, my business partner at that time, she and I co-authored the book, and it was a huge confidence builder. It mm-hmm. really ended up being a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. And it's still on Amazon. I, I, we can still get it. So um, go to Amazon, and you can you can look for both of um, Rebecca's books: Homeschooling for Success and Homeschooling and Loving It. Um, let's go back. Well, is there something in particular that you would like to cover um, during this? I think we have 10 minutes left. Um. Well, as, as you know, because um, as an experienced homeschooler, Vivian, yourself, 
I don't know how you um, homeschool, but I really want to go back to that notion of parents that kind of let go of the fear. Let go mm-hmm. of the fear, trust your child, build your curriculum around their interests, because that's such a huge benefit of homeschooling. I happen to have a special needs child as well. So I have a child who's vision impaired, and that, you know, and he was also very active when he was younger. Maybe that was one of the reasons why we started homeschooling. It's hard to remember all that those years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, every, every child has special needs, and every child moves at a different pace in the different subjects. So they may race along in math, but they need more time in English. And so that's one of the big benefits of homeschooling. Um, try not to get locked into the school at home where you're following rigidly following a curriculum because it'll burn you out and it'll burn them out and you want to really you know focus on answering the questions that they're interested in so if they're fascinated by dinosaurs go deeply into dinosaurs because they're really going to remember that information you know and our tendency is like no we've got a week on dinosaurs and then now we've got to move on to volcanoes if they're not as interested in volcanoes they probably won't retain it it won't be as meaningful for them so try to try to let go of the fears and it gets easier and easier as you know you know, as you mm-hmm. go on, homeschooling is so much easier as you, than you would expect. You know, then when you're not homeschooling, you think, oh, my gosh, that's going to be a, a huge time suck, if you will. But um, the kids start taking it over. They, You know, in high school, too, they start doing more and more on their own. There are plenty of resources, and it's so much easier than you would think. I sure encourage homeschooling parents and kids, if they're interested in it, to give it a try. Yeah, yes. And um, meeting um, not well, meeting their needs as far as joining co-ops or, um, you know, um, what teaching, swapping with parents, you know, some like I was really good at the writing and the, the, the English side. And I had a friend who was an artist. And so she would teach my children art and I would, you know, so we could trade skills in that way. Um, but what about parents who say, that's why I don't want them to go to public school or to a, a, a large school. I, I just want to make sure that they don't get negative peer pressure. What, what, what do you say to, to parents who's, who my, are worried my, about that? I know. You know, my, my personal philosophy has been if you foc- it's better to focus on what you want rather than on what you don't want. So, for example, instead of focusing on what you fear or the possible negative socialization, focus on what it is that you do want. You want them to have a rich family life. You want them to get along with each other, you know, with their siblings. You want them to meet um, great mentors, great role models. You want them to have rich social experiences. So focus instead on what it is that you do want, and then your eyes will be open to those opportunities rather than on focusing on too much on what you don't want, because then those things tend to follow you. Here's an example. I was going to have my hair done, and it was on a Saturday. And I have this game I play with my kids where I always find the perfect parking place. You know, no matter where I go, I could be Mm -hmm. at Disneyland telling you, and I'll have the number two spot in the place. So I was going to have my hair done one day, and I thought, oh, it's Saturday. I probably won't find a parking spot. So then I, but I stopped the car, and I went, no, wait a minute, Beck. You know, you have really good parking karma. And I opened my eyes, and there was had been this empty parking spot right in front of me all along. But I didn't see it because I had pre-convinced myself that it was not going to be there, that there mm-hmm. were not going to be any parking places there. So mm-hmm. that's why I think it's so important. Focus on what it is that you want. Focus on the rich social experiences on you want, because then you're going to see those opportunities all around you. You'll see the email. You'll see the book. You'll see the group over at the art, local art store. You'll see them getting together at the library. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, not to be too afraid of what you don't want, but instead focus on what you do want. So this is, it's a mindset really, isn't it? You, you've just really got to psych yourself and say, I'm not going to think negatively. I just need to think positively. I think so because I, I believe in self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So how it is if you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I don't feel well today. Today's going to be a bad day. Most likely you're going to have a bad day and you're not going to feel well. But if you wake up and you say, God, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great day. I'm so looking forward to today. We're going to do so many neat things today. My kids are going to learn so much today. I'm so grateful to be doing this. Then that tends to be your experience as well. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it was the same thing with my, my mother-in-law who said, well, I'm not going to tell anybody that you homeschool. And then well, she suddenly started to notice all these homeschoolers. And, of course, now she just thinks it's the best thing I could possibly have done and wished that, you know, every member of her family had done it. So. I do notice with my children when they're in high school, they don't, there's a phase in their life where they don't want to be different. So when they're younger, they'll say, I'm homeschooled. And when they're older, they'll say, oh, I was homeschooled. But when they're right in the middle of the teen years, they'll say, oh, I go to a charter school. Uh-oh. You know, <laughs> I independent study. They don't want to necessarily be a homeschooler. They don't want to be perceived as being different. So, you know, parents, try not to get your feelings hurt. <laughs> this too shall yeah. pass. And then they're going yeah. to end up losing it. They'll be so proud of themselves. But there's that stage in there where they're kind of quiet about it. They're private about it. They don't want to be ridiculed. They don't want yeah. to be different. And I totally understand that. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Um, can you let us, well, you already probably have given us some secrets to staying inspired. Do you have anything? Well, we have just two minutes left. So give us one main thing to keep inspired. Okay, set goals. For example, I always had my children, we would set fall goals. We would have winter goals. We would have spring goals. We would have summer goals. So we would set our goals, and then we celebrated crossing the finish line. Otherwise, the temptation or the tendency is that you're working, 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 and you never know if you're making any progress. It feels like you're never doing enough. So set the goals and then achieve them. And I love doing portfolios for the kids. So I would take a picture of them surrounded by all the books that they read, or I would have a sample of their handwriting in the beginning and at the end of that semester. And I just, it was just a simple thing. You could just have it on a piece of paper and I'd staple it together and the kids look back and they still love it. I took mm-hmm. pictures of their science experiments and that way they have something to show their grandparents too and they have something to show their friends. It's like a report card, if you will. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. remember, you can be very flexible with your schedule. You can say, hey, if we reach our goals before ski season, we're going to take some extra time off in the winter to go skiing. Or we're going to take some extra, you know, when the spring weather comes in, let's get all of our work done now or something like that so we can have some time off in the spring. So I really like working with the kids to set goals. Tell me, what is it you want to learn? And I would write it all down. I would yeah. photograph and I would put it in a portfolio and boy, it made it so much richer. We really felt like we were completing something, like we were really doing something. Another last piece of advice too is during the back to school season, um, give your kids some back to school rituals as well because everybody else is going back to school and if yours aren't, it can feel a little deflating. So we would yeah. go to the mall and we would get a back to school outfit and we would take our school photos. We'd go to the mall and we would take photos and we would go get school supplies so that we were really excited about going back to school too. All right, Rebecca, we're going to have to go on a break and you're going to have to come back for that final segment so that I can say goodbye to you. So hang on a minute.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live, every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment, and that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child-rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, Brenda Nixon. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Rebecca, I really love that, um, the goal setting. And, and um, you know, I, I think with my children, I used to have to think, oh, gosh, if I look at this as a whole year, it's just going to be too long. But if I break it up into six-week segments or four-week segments or something like that and take a month off here and there, then, then we'll be able to do something. And we used to have, my children would, draw pictures and i would have at the end of the year huge you know sort of galleries of um their art all over the house and it was just fantastic they loved doing that and they loved writing books and doing all of that and um yeah you're right they had something to show for their for their efforts you know another thing i like to do when the kids were young too is we set our house up into little stations. So we had the science station where I had like a little bullet. And this is obviously my teacher background coming up. So we had a bullet board, and that's where we would have the science books. And if we had any ant farms, that's where it would be. And then we had the music station. I made sure I kept the piano keys open and inviting. And we had we left the microscope out for them to explore. And we had the little reading area with the the mini you know, bookcase and the beanbag and the good lighting. So I loved it when we had the little station approach, the art station too. So it's so funny, our, you know, our, our home ended up looking like a preschool when the kids were young. Mm-hmm. 
It was, mm-hmm. it was really mm-hmm. nice the way that homeschooling and your real life, they just merge together. It's very sweet. Yeah. Absolutely. I was actually talking to a, a young um, graduated homeschooler last week, and um, his mother started a, a curriculum company. And I said, were you aware that she was doing that when you were young, or were you just so involved in, in your own life? He said, listen, children have are just completely, you know, sort of self-absorbed, and they don't notice what their parents are doing. And it's so true, because I would say something to my children, they'd go, you did that? When did you do that? I'm going, where were you? We were all at home together all the time, and they just don't, they don't notice anything else that's going on except what's going on around them. So, My kids have always kind of helped us with homeschool.com, like they helped us, and even the neighbor kids, we'd all get together, and we'd put together 200 getting started kits. You know, and one of the kids would come up with an idea, and I'd say, oh, that's a great idea. So the next time we would do that, and it was really fun for them, and it was meaningful that an adult was listening to their idea, that they had good ideas, too. I found mm-hmm. it to be really fun when they were kind of involved in our real life and in our in our businesses. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's great. And so you, you prepare them to... Um you know, to have their own businesses and um, be aware of um, financials and, um, you know, budget, you know, and responsibility to fulfill whatever it is that they've decided that they're going to do and be reliable. Yes, and for them to see us setting goals and not always achieving it and kind of redirecting in the middle of a goal or failing and not being crushed by it, that's a nice thing for the kids to see too. And to yeah. see us doing our lives, so many times moms think that they have to sacrifice that they have to sacrifice everything they want themselves in order to be a good mom. But I think being a good role model where you're building a rich life, too, is, it's a nice thing to model for your kids, that they can be a good mom and they can still write a book. They can be a good mom and they can still run a marathon or whatever it is that your interests are. It's nice to show them that you do both. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I think this is what is um, a, a large fear for a lot of mothers who are going to or thinking about homeschooling their children is that they feel that they may completely lose themselves. Yeah. And so I, I try to, um, you know, um, have guests who, well, actually just about everybody I find out, they don't lose themselves. They, they actually go out there and they, they prove that they can, you know, do other things as well as homeschooling because I think it, they have more freedom if they've got their children at home with them all the time than if they send them away to school because you've got to keep up with all kinds of other things at school. And another benefit of homeschooling for the parent is that we rekindle our love of learning. We see mm-hmm. them learning all this fun stuff, and now it's fun for us, too, because we can learn about, you know, volcanoes without being graded on it. Like, oh, my gosh, I yeah. forgot how much I loved that. You know, and we can, we can read these great books with them, the classics with them, that we may didn't, maybe we didn't have the time for before. So we get yeah. to become homeschoolers, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, sadly, we've come to the end of our time. That was wonderful. And um, I know it was early for you, but hey, what a great start to the day, you know. <laughs> and, um, well, I've been chatting to Rebecca Kokender for the senior editor for homeschool.com, the number one homeschooling site on the internet, according to Yahoo, Google, and Forbes magazine, with over 2 million visitors a year. Rebecca is the co-author of Homeschooling for Success, How Parents Can Create a Superior Education for Their Child, and more recently, Homeschooling and Loving It. Go to Amazon. You'll find both those books there. Um, and in fact, Homeschooling and Loving It is a book that maps out how to homeschool from beginning to end. I just love that. Re- um, Rebecca educated her three children um, at home, and I hope that she has inspired you no matter where you are on your homeschooling journey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rebecca. I wish you a fabulous weekend. Thank you.
Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honor. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a great conversation with Rebecca. Nice long one. And um, um, lots and lots of interesting um, sort of tips and and things to do um, while you homeschool and goals and going to community college. And it sort of um, brought up a little bit about a conversation that I had with Gretchen Rowe, the Calvert School's um, community liaison a few weeks ago. And um, she was talking about how two well-established schools have joined forces to collaborate on a curriculum available for parents who homeschool their children with language-based learning differences. It's the Calvert School, obviously, and um, Jamasi School, specializing in children who have problems with reading and writing. Um, Calvert's been around for 100 years, and uh, Jamasi since 1973, and they put their experienced heads together to form Vertice, which is a combination of both the schools named Calvert and Jamasi. Calvert has assembled a team of Orton Gillingham-trained counselors to help Calvert its homeschooling parents and students with recognizing their child's educational needs before they become critical. And of course, Calvert still offers its educational counselors for every student who enrolls in their school and has available at additional cost their superlative advisory teaching service, which provides records and transcripts for their children, as well as individual tutoring, grading of work and tests and clarification of assignments. As a buyer of this new collaborative program, you not only receive the famous Calvert curriculum in a box. You also get the specially written Vertice 3 R's reading, writing and arithmetic courses based on Dr. Orton's kinesthetic methodology inspired by the work of Helen Keller. Gretchen Rowe is excited about this groundbreaking venture and she as a homeschooling mother herself reminded me that parents are usually the first to notice if their child is showing signs of language skills challenges. So if you notice that with your child, just pop over to the Calvert website. Um, she offers tutorials and webinars to help you get started and um, she's also going to be speaking around the country about Vertice at homeschool conferences so look out for her and go and listen to her. Um, we use Amazon. I'm sure you all use Amazon. In fact, I mentioned Amazon to go buy Rebecca's book. And that's how I use it. I buy my books off Amazon. And um, I find it to be very reliable. But my youngest daughter bought an unlocked iPhone from an individual on Amazon recently and has waited the mandatory four weeks, which marked the last delivery date and still no phone. And I think the last day was the 1st or 2nd of February, so just yesterday. So I was very impressed by her patience. She didn't keep calling me and saying, well, I still don't have my phone. And it turns out to be a total scam. And I hate it when this happens to our children. It kills their innocence, doesn't it? Anyway, she was so excited that she changed out her SIM card from the existing phone that she had, convinced that the other one was going to arrive any minute and now her regular phone doesn't work because she had to get this micro sim card for the iphone and so she's gone through the long and long she's gone through the last couple of weeks and probably the next couple of weeks without her trusty phone and um, now she has to get a refund and she has to reorder and someone from amazon's fabulous customer service placed in a claim for her and said once it was allowed and he assured her it would be allowed because they couldn't see the product had they could see that the product hadn't been shipped yet her refund will take 1 to 2 weeks 
So when she finally gets her phone, she'll greatly appreciate it. Luckily, her iPod allows her to get online and text and Skype, so she's not completely out of the communication loop. But it's those times when she's out and about and wants to call us and say where she is that she misses a phone. How much we take that gadget for granted. Hmm? Well, my oldest son is quite an example for both his siblings and his friends. He doesn't have a steady job except for a few long-term contracts that he's had. So he's always on the lookout for work. He's the filmmaker. This is the downside to freelancing. At the moment, he is a permanent part-timer at the theatre where he works after hours, setting up the venue for events and concerts. He's also backup fill-in for the film company he used to work for on a long project last summer in Dallas. He belongs to a temp agency where he gets those fabulous jobs that pay well, especially if there are tippers around. He spent time at college sporting events around Dallas, shows and exhibitions. Sometimes he's one of those people giving away free samples or manning a demonstration booth. Other times he holds up an advertising banner for the television cameras at a football game. He fills giveaway promotional bags for conventions and unloads luggage at hotels. He serves beer at the Super Bowl and has opened bottles of champagne in VIP event boxes. How come all my temping involved answering phones and filing? His primary job at the moment is editing the new TV series Dallas that's been going on since September and his shift doesn't start until the day shooting is over. It's being done in Dallas this time, not L.A. So some of his shifts go from 5 till about midnight and others go from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. He's currently on the 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. shift. And he goes straight from this shift to another film company for the day. Then he goes to the theater to set up chairs and then back to his Dallas job. And I just worry, where is he going to sleep? And driving, I worry about that too. He can work, though. Even when he's sick, he drags himself in because guess what? When you're a freelancer and you don't work, you don't get paid. Contrary to that, my zookeeper son gets his sick leave holidays and personal days and this week he spent a paid week in Florida learning how to train birds. Well, I've run out of time and I used to worry I'd run out of things to say. What a chatterbox I've become. I'm going to try and my hand at WordPress, my blog site this weekend, and do some tweeting. Um, We may go see a film and there's a play reading at the theatre which I enjoy. So I'll be here same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight. Our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio. My guest, Rebecca Kokendorfer. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindell, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, 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 Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.